0: Steeple Rock Partners is proud to sponsor this edition of the Real Estate Time Machine podcast.
1: You know, I started thinking about kind of what Kiyosaki was saying. I was like, okay, so I'm flipping houses. Well, I I realized that flipping houses is not investing at all. Because as soon as you flip a house, you're unemployed until you find another one to flip.
0: Our guest today is a serial entrepreneur He has built a family of real estate companies that have worked together to form a small empire in Fort Worth, Texas. Craig Couch is the founder of Indwell. It's a real estate company that has literally transformed families and changed neighborhoods by offering home ownership to an underserved client base. Craig's personal story and business savvy makes for one of the most interesting podcasts that Time Machine has ever produced.
1: Hey, Craig, my friend, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm real happy to be here.
0: You know, as you look back, there's several relationships that you've literally had for decades. And I was thinking, my best estimation is that we've known each other for probably around 25 years. And, uh, you yes. know, it's, I think we yeah. come to a point in our life where it's a real privilege. Uh, to have known people for that long.
1: Well, as a young man, I used to uh, laugh at old guys. Well, I've known him for 20 years. I'm always like, I always hear that. That's crap. And I'm like, now I'm the old guy with the gray hair. (laughs) I know.
0: (laughs) And when you've known someone for a long time, you get to observe character choices, life patterns, over an extended period of time. And I think two words uh, that I would use to describe Craig were one, integrity and entrepreneur kind of back
1: us up give me your
0: backstory how you got into real estate
1: first of all i've never gotten in my professional career uh a paycheck Uh, (laughs) um not once um since i've been out of college i've never gotten a paycheck so i've always done my own thing but there's there's like real serious cost to to doing that and uh, i started out in the retail business and at 23 years old i borrowed about 30 grand from my dad and started a retail business and grew it, uh, over about an eight or nine year period to a few location uh, locations and, um, seven figures in sales. And in my little local market here in Fort Worth, I was the up and comer, you know, 20 something that was really kicking butt and doing well. And, and was celebrated in the community for what I was pulling off. I'm, I kind of worked in the, the higher-end retail market. I, I had an uh, outdoor store um, and camping and fly fishing and just kind of serviced the, the rich guys in town in a way. Uh, I had the Orvis dealership. Uh, built it up, grew it, um, knew some really awesome uh, entrepreneurs and great, great, uh, really higher, higher net worth people in in my community in Fort Worth and, um, you know, kind of doubled down and bought a big house on eight acres out west of town, uh, in the country where the school districts were good. And, um, and really grew to hate the retail business. I found it to be one of the most inefficient ways to make money. Um, it was brutal. And I just, I just, I just was just, it was making it, you know, um, and really, just to be honest with you, Kirk, if I heard another fishing story, I was going to just throw up on the floor. <laughs> um, so I, I just began to—and that's your business.
0: You're you're selling yeah. high-end fishing equipment, and you yeah, get t- yeah. and you're and getting just, sick of hearing the stories.
1: Uh, oh well, it's just because it's the same story. Hey, my granddad used to fly fish, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh man, just I just. Just felt like taking a hot poker to my eyes. Yeah, here you and, know what's you know. It's to, funny. not to belittle the story. Hey,
0: Craig, you know what's funny is right now at my feet, I'm staring <laughs> at an Orvis bag that I got from one of your stores that I still use.
1: <laughs> okay, it's green. Okay, yeah,
0: I get, I'll take a picture and send it to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, they last forever. This stuff's awesome. Uh, but anyway, so I just got to this point where I'm like, dang it, it just wasn't. It wasn't. I I, could, I couldn't scale it. Like I I could see the feeling in this so clearly, and so. Uh, I got a third location because I thought, well, I could, if I could sell it, it'd be awesome and uh, and just get out of this and move on. And so I created this plan and I started this real estate company, um, partnered up with this guy that was completely opposite of me and, and started this real estate company on the side to sort of bridge the exit out of retail. Well, when I liquidated everything, sold everything, and um, and I had to liquidate because nobody in their right mind would buy my company <laughs> if you looked at the numbers. Uh, <laughs> I liquidated everything, and when the dust settled, I mean, I owed North Face and Patagonia and Orvis and everybody. I mean, I just owed my landlords and uh, the banks and just everything. And when the dust settled, I liquidated everything. It took about two weeks to sell everything and be done. Uh, I I was upside down, Kurt. I, I don't know if I've ever told you this before, but I was upside down one point seven million dollars as a thirty-one year old. <laughs>
0: Hero to zero, really fast.
1: I mean that talk <laughs> about below the poverty line. <laughs> I mean, just like way below the poverty line. So, you know, that was my experience, and and, and so I'm 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 thirty-one years old. I got a brilliant wife that is fully capable of putting on a power suit and going and killing it. You know her. Yes. The the girl can, I mean, and we decided that she was going to be a stay-at-home mom and take care of the kids. So I had two babies on the ground, a stay-at-home mom, and I was upside down (laughs) 1.7. And then I entered an industry that if you file bankruptcy, you might as well just switch industries
0: because you can't,
1: I mean, it's just like so. I was stuck, man. It was it was it was really, really a low point for me.
0: Craig, I I got a question. When you're that low, how do you get out of bed? Because I mean, I mean, I've had professional struggles before, nothing like that. And when it's hard to look at your wife, she's asking hard questions. You're not feeling great about yourself. I mean, how do you begin to pull out of that just to even get to a point where you can be productive?
1: Well, and, and you know. There's two choices. You could either go into the fetal position and just lay there, or you mash the gas. And so my response to that was mash the gas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had this pattern that really doesn't work very well for me, (laughs) and that is to double to double down. You know, I'm sort of the double down guy. You know, my first year in the real estate business it was in 2002. My partner, Lee, and I went to the courthouse steps here in Fort Worth and we bought two properties in November, the November sale. And keep in mind, we were both, actually, he was in the retail business too. So we were both in the, in the December season, which is where you do like, you know, 60% of your annual sales happen in 30 days or 40 days. Right. And there we stand on the courthouse steps, trying to get the heck away from retail. Both of us And we've got our little walkie-talkies. We've got a pocket full of cashiers' checks in multiple denomination. uh, 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 You know, just uh, I guess a quarter million dollars that we talked one of our banker friends into giving us without. And this was kind of wild west, but you know, it it was way out of compliance. Let's just say that. But we had the money. (laughs) You don't have to mention the bank. And and we bought. Yeah, no, we won't. But uh, (laughs) love the guy dearly still. Um, But anyway. we bought two houses, and then this was November, the first Tuesday in November, and then we rehabbed them as fast as we could, and sold them before the end of the year, and we profited sixty thousand dollars on two two flips, oh, and, and sold them and closed them before the end of the year, and it was like this, it was like this divine thing that was like laced in in bs in a way like yeah we didn't we were like we were both looking at each other like well that was easy we just we just netted you know maybe more than we would have netted in our retail businesses in you know for the year that's and, exactly
0: what i was going to ask you is how long would it
1: have taken yeah. you to make that 60 grand in uh, retail uh, forever i mean i was in the red i mean that's why they call it black <laughs> Black Friday is because that's when retailers finally get in the black in November. Like that's a foolish business to be in. So if you're in a retail business, are you thinking about the retail business? Call run. me and I will talk you out of it, my friend <laughs> run because it's, and, it's just terrible. But anyway, well, in the comedy uh, of it uh, to yeah, me so,
0: is, is you had what, what anybody would have turned a very successful retail business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looked really great. It yeah. looked really great and it, and it was fine, but it was just not because right. My problem is, is that I'm sort of like a rocket without fins. Like I just, I sell myself out of problems. Well, the the problem with, with my retail experience is that I had, I didn't have, I didn't have any, I, I didn't have any real financial sense. I had the ability to, to sell and to close and to make, and to make income. So I was very focused and very good at the income side but really sucked at the expense side, right. and that's the piece that killed me. So I had this huge blind spot, um, and I didn't want to mess with it. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, those bills are due. Whatever, I could, I'll sell more. It'll be fine, right? And and it worked right up until it didn't.
0: So there you are on the courthouse steps. Well, past that, <laughs> so, there's sixty grand in your pocket after a couple of months of yeah. work, and the light has gone on oh. at this
1: point. Oh yeah, I'm like, I'm just like. I'm, I'm just the dog wagging the tail going, Oh my, I'm just clapping my hands together, just rubbing them together, going, Oh boy. I'm doing all this funky math where I'm like, okay, if I could do 30 of these a year, Oh my gosh, I'm a rich man. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, and that was when, that was when Robert Kiyosaki wrote his book, rich dad, poor dad. Right. And it was like, I was like, mm, that's it. And and so I started employing all this stuff and I just, you know, I just dove in because what actually launched or catapulted my real estate business was the fact that it I had to do it to survive. I right. had to do it because I had to feed my family. Hmm. I almost lost my cars. I almost lost my house. My credit was shot. My Mac, my credit cards were maxed. I was 1.7 upside down and I had to pay that money back. Hmm. I couldn't just, File bankruptcy and bail. I had to pay it back because if I filed bankruptcy, it would sabotage my ability to borrow. Anyway, uh, it took me eight years, but uh, I paid it back. Um, I, I put my negotiating hat on. I got a, a master's in negotiating You know, with with landlords and with banks. I'd flip some houses and then I'd have a pile of cash. And you know, for example, and this is just for example, uh, I you know had to owe. 120, and I'd say, hey, I've got 80, can we call it even? And I did that over and over and over again until it all went away.
0: And did, and you found that uh, more did, times than not, they'd agree to that, just because it's better to have something Oh, than yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. They, they want to do, recover I something. Business. Yeah, they wanted to recover it, um, but here's here's another piece of tuition that I had to pay is that but they're like, yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. Well, there's a, you know, between the one, let's say it's 120, and I pay them uh, ninety. That's a $30,000 gap. Well, uh, what I didn't know, Kirk, was that, you know, because I'm, I'm 30, I don't know anything. And <laughs> what I, what I didn't know is that you have to pay taxes on that income. <laughs> 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 so I had this huge tax burden because I had these these write-offs and it was just, it was a, it was a freaking cluster mug. It was terrible. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, But, but my real estate business was born out of a nightmare actually. Yeah. Out of necessity. Um,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I had to, I had to. And so I had the choice between, you know, curling up in in a ball. Yeah. Just rocking back and 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 forth and letting yourself. Yes. With my, (laughs) yes. Sucking my thumb or, like, just go for it. Um, and I have to give kudos to my wife because she could have easily said, you know, you're an idiot. You're terrible. You, you, you know, you're a fool. Mm-hmm. And instead, for whatever reason, she just looked at me. and She goes, I think you got this. Felt like rocket fuel to me because yes. I'm like, oh, she believes in me. And it actually, yeah. you know, it actually caused me to work even harder.
0: Mm-hmm. But you guys started by flipping houses, but didn't necessarily just stay there, right?
1: yeah, so um we flipped houses from o two to o seven. So prior to o eight, I mean it was a, it was like the Wild West. It was nuts, man. It, th- there was so many uh, you know, if you watch the movie the big Short, yes i I, I witnessed uh, all kinds of shenanigans of being a house flipper because I was flipping these houses, and then I'd get this one customer. And he would be bringing four or five different people to closings in a matter of five months. And they didn't know what they were signing. And I'm like, and I felt like a lot of that grease was getting on me uh, in oh six, oh seven And, and it was like, you know, the government was kind of putting out this message that everyone deserves to be a homeowner, which is a complete farce. Hmm. And, and I was watching this happen and I was profiting from it. Uh, hmm. I, you know, I was making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a pop, and paying down my debt, and you know, just it was just craziness. And but, but I knew, I knew, Kirk. I was like, this is, this is a house of freaking cards, because I was in the inner bowels of it. I wasn't watching it from afar. I was in it, going, this is not right. This is not good. This is gonna break. You know, I started thinking about kind of what Kiyosaki was saying. I was like, okay, so I'm flipping houses. Well. I realized that flipping houses is not investing at all. Interesting. Because as soon as you, yeah, because as soon as you flip a house, you're unemployed until you find another one to flip.
0: Right, right. So there's not necessarily equity wealth being built. It's, uh, yeah, no. you get in and out of it. You bet. You have a payday, no, big right. payday. Yeah,
1: but yes. you're right. Paydays, you're unemployed right? until the next mm-hmm. one. Yes, and you're you're subject to that buyer being there and being able to pay for that house that you're flipping to them. So, you know, and I just, I just knew like in my heart of hearts, I'm like, this is not, this is a, this is a house of cards. This is not real. And I need to get away from this. I didn't like it. I felt uh, my business partner, Lee and I, you know, we called it greasy. It started to get greasy and our the grease was getting on us and we didn't like it.
0: Really? How did you uh, say, I'm, so, I'm curious. So you, you felt like, okay, this has become a very greasy industry. I'm personally getting greasy. What is that? What did that look like? I mean, did you begin to see your integrity slip or what 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 is what, is, it what do you mean by you?
1: I was just enabling these bad loans to happen because I was provide, see I had the I had the ability to buy these these houses. I'd have, you know, 15 houses in stock. I would own them, right? Right. And then uh, the reason I would own them is because I had buyers lined up ready to buy them with these mortgages that mm. were crap, and and the reason I could flip them and make twenty or thirty thousand dollars is because they couldn't close instantly like I could. Right. So I could hold them for thirty days and flip them to these guys that had these mortgages and these straw buyers. I was just like, this is awesome, and then I was like, man, this is not awesome. This is not cool at all. This is this is not right. I knew I needed. We needed to pivot. Um, and I grew up on the border um, and speak fluent Spanish and know that in North Texas here in my market, there are a ton of Hispanic families that uh, are not bankable that also really uh, deserve um, to be homeowners. Um, and, and so I, I have that, that thought swimming around in my mind and um, in 2007, um, I bought a house, restored it, and then I put this sign in the yard in Spanish that it was for sale and then started getting phone calls and stammered through um, selling this house owner finance. Anyway, so we originated our first one in 2007 and then um, and then began to really ramp that up and build a portfolio of uh, of real estate notes. And so, Um, and just to kind of give your listeners an idea of how that works is that we have warehouse banks just kind of like any mortgage company where we could plug these notes in so we would originate a a note uh, and get a trust and then plug that into a warehouse so let's say our money is at five percent and our notes at you know ten percent uh you know we've got a Uh, We've got a spread in the interest, and then we also have an equity spread because we bought the house for back in the day. You know, they were cheap; they were forty thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars, and then um, you know we'd sell it for eighty thousand dollars. We'd have sixty thousand dollars in it, so we'd have you know twenty grand in equity spread plus the interest spread, and we were like, "Oh, there it is!" And then and then we just we just totally double down on that whole idea and uh, have been doing that ever since. We've, we've, we've bought, restored and sold and financed. I think, I I don't know the exact number, but it's between six and 700 houses. That's a lot of houses. (laughs) Yeah,
0: But there's a lot of folks that are looking at real estate saying, you know what? I want to leave my W2 job, but I'd like to hear from you, a serial entrepreneur, any helpful advice you'd give people like
1: that? Yeah, I I mean, it's so funny because I talk to people like that constantly um, that are in their their spot and they're like, I just don't want to do this. My advice, find others that have what they want, that has the lifestyle, the freedom, the work-life balance that they desire, and then finding a way for free to add value to that guy.
0: Have you had people do that to you, seek you out and say, hey, I want to add some value to what you do and learn how to be a Craig Cash or learn? No. no. You ha- Interesting. No. Interesting. No. So as successful as you've no, been. No.
1: no, they call me and say, I want to – yeah. You know what the, the, the worst call that I get? What's that? It's, hey, Craig, blah, 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 blah. I want to pick your brain. <laughs> that, 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 when somebody says that to me, I want to freaking run. And What's your it, response? I have a system for this because it happens a lot. And, and, and it's not because I'm like this big hero in real estate. It's just, it just happens a lot. It just does. Right. Um, I, I I put the ball back in their court. I say, look, uh, that sounds great. I'd love to get to know you. I'd love to help you. I'd love to add value to whatever you're doing. Um, but I, I send them a, a questionnaire. I put I put the ball back in the brain pickers court. And Kirk, I mean, I get crickets. Yeah,
0: if you if if you have 100 people, how many people respond? 10.
1: Wow. And the 10 that do, I'm like, okay, I got I can I can help this guy. Good point. And the whole pick your brain thing it just freaking makes my teeth itch. <laughs> uh but, well, and that's funny yeah, because I feel like about a
0: year ago I called you asking your thoughts on things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but you you have a ton of equity equity with me. I, like I, I would well, here, so this is something I but, want to
0: ask you though, because I was thinking about that because I still remember it's funny, you know, I remember a lot of what what you what we talked about. I mean, first of all I remember really? Hearing, yeah, I remember hearing your business model and thinking, "Okay, hey, that's not the direction I want to go in. I mean, it's just not me.
1: <laughs> you know, you're
0: going to be great yeah. at it. It would be terrible for me. But the one thing you told mm-hmm. me was you said, Kirk, whatever you find, focus on it and be the best yes. at it. So that's mm-hmm. what a question I want to ask you about is because I'm reading your bio. You've got like four or five companies, Craig, But you're talking mm-hmm. to me about focusing what I'm doing. How can you focus on spreading your time and attention across four or five companies?
1: Because the companies are symbiotic. Create a whiteboard in your mind about what I'm I'm going to describe. So uh, on the far left side of the whiteboard is the portfolio company. Um, And that company holds uh, real estate notes. And underneath that company is the restoration company that restores every house. Now on your whiteboard, imagine another mortgage company on the right side. One of our real pain points as a company is finding enough houses. So hard to find houses. And we found that real estate agents actually were one of our biggest assets. They were, they were, we loved, I loved being around them. And they would bring houses to me before they hit the market. Well, how do I build solid relationships with these realtors. I thought, well, maybe it's becoming a broker and having a real estate broker. We really don't make any money on the brokerage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that is okay with me because these agents also send us houses every now and again.
0: Right. They're, they're giving agents, you inventory.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yes. And if- these agents also send us uh, some mortgage business now and again. And so that's what I mean. So these companies aren't like I'm chasing these squirrels, right? Right. It's not like squirrel. I'm running to the next shiny thing. It's 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 very intentional and well thought out uh, and really hard at the same time.
0: You say your mission is to help families build better lives through home ownership. Uh, words or phrases like affordable new home construction, neighborhood revitalization, a passion. For providing a path to home ownership through affordable housing, mm-hmm. essentially your audience are an underserved, probably not real financial, financially able audience.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they're. They, I would say that they're financially responsible for sure, mm-hmm. because to buy one of our houses, you have to have ten percent down, which is at least ten thousand um, dollars. Most of our houses are, you know, in the one twenty to one thirty to one forty range. And so you've got to have ten to thirteen or fourteen thousand dollars to even buy one of our houses, and so when you have that kind of money saved, it kind of shows your your financial prowess as a first time home buyer. It, it sort of self selects the uh, the right kind of people that that banks won't lend to them but we will.
0: Their standards yeah. are going to be a little out of reach for these guys, but it doesn't mean that right. they're not responsible people. You bet.
1: Right, right, right. right. And some of your audience may be thinking, well, gosh, Craig, you're, you're charging these people 10 or 11% to buy a house. Um, and why are you, you know, that seems like usury. Why is the interest so high? You seem like you're just trying to make a profit. Well, well, and
0: that was going to be my next question because <clears throat> you moved out of one industry because you felt greasy. Some people may see right. what you're doing now and say, well, how is that any less greasy? I mean, my right. gosh, the interest rates you
1: jazz are charging right. are right. absorbing. <laughs> yeah, it seems like really freaking high. Uh, and, you know, your parents in 1981 paid 17% to buy their house in Lubbock. <laughs> you know, Even it's like, like it's kind of all relative. Right. So the idea is that we, we really help these people. We set them up for success. In other words, we really focus on the underwriting piece to make sure that they have the ability, first of all, to repay the loan. And these are all qualified mortgages. Um, And so we make sure that they are able to repay the loan. And then we give them a path. We give them a, a path to success. And so the path is Okay, so th- the interest is higher than it would be with a bank. So there's three types of buyers. There's a cash buyer, right, which doesn't need a bank, and the interest rate on a cash buyer is zero. Then there's the bankable buyer. So right now, your bankable buyer is going to pay between four and seven percent. Okay, and there are certain requirements that they have to meet for that. Then there are the what we call the dueño and dueño buyers, or the owner finance buyers that have, that can pay, that that will pay in the 10% range. So with those people, that's our niche, that 10%, uh, you know, kind of the owner finance buyer, they need a bridge. They need a chance. They need a way to get into the game because when they rent a house, they're paying a hundred percent interest. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so we, we help them move out of their rental property that the landlord doesn't give a crap about their stuff and their water heater had not worked for two weeks and nobody cares to the house that they own. Yes, they're paying 10%. And we give them a plan and we tell them, okay, look, you've got three choices. One choice is to just pay the note as it is for 30 years. Choice number two is to pay the note faster right? If your payment's $1,000, you pay $1,300 and you save you know, dollars or $30,000, maybe $40,000 in interest over the entire amortization. So you beat the interest rate by paying ahead. Or option number three, follow our plan to eventually refinance. They're unbankable for a reason. And we tell them up front, here's the reason that you're unbankable. Here's right. the reason that you're, you're unbankable. And we show them. And then we say, okay, here are the steps to become bankable. Right. And that is the path. So out of 10 loans we do, one of them follows our instructions <laughs> and refinances that loan, right? And right. that's okay. But we tell every single person, here right. are the steps. And it's up to them. We don't force them. Right. You know, from, from a profit standpoint, if I was a just a a jerk, I wouldn't tell them any of this stuff, but we tell them all.
0: But that, that's what's important that you're doing a little differently is there's a mentoring piece to it. I mean you're helping them yeah, understand yeah. what they're getting into and what's in their best interest. Yes. Now if they that's want to it. take that advice is up to them. You you can't hold their hand.
1: And and the other thing that you're the the question that might be popping into your listeners' minds is well that's cool, Craig, but you probably wait until they stop paying you and then you take the house back right well I can tell you we almost went out of we almost lent ourselves out of business a few times uh, because we gave loans to people that we thought we were helping and actually we were hurting them by giving them a loan in the first place
0: wow and so we we
1: have really wired figured out the underwriting process over the years Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: our default rate is less than 2%. And there's a lot of people that still, that that look, that look at my business and judge it and say, well, that guy's, you know, he's just taking advantage of this Hispanic community. Well, you know, I can look them square in the eye and say, you're full of shit. Hmm. That's not the, that's not the case at all because I've watched multiple families buy a house, live in it for five years, sell it, and pocket thirty or $40,000. And what that means is that our company actually changed their family tree forever hmm. because we gave them the opportunity to own a home. We are really making an impact. I mean, we've changed entire neighborhoods, Kirk. I mean, the, the police department loves us. Wow. Because we've turned streets into this rental uh, street, into homeowner street. And, you know, the cops are like, hey, you know, just say no, man. You, you really helped this street a lot. I, I, this is my beat. I've been on this beat for 10 years. And now I don't have to come here anymore. Yeah. Because people, that, people here own their houses. Right. And they're not they're not transient renters because that's where the calls always come from. When we buy a house, we're putting twenty to thirty, sometimes forty thousand dollars into these houses to make them awesome. I mean, right. we make them the best house in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really we don't we don't we don't just buy a house and then put a family in it and say, hey, you can fix it and just make your payments. And they build our equity by improving the home, and we don't underwrite them. No, we, 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 we really go the extra mile and, and do that. Wrapping
0: things up, dial, dial your time forward five years. What does your business look like?
1: So I'm not sure that I would be doing much different. Like if you told me I was going to die this weekend, I probably would get up at 5 a.m. like I normally do, have my quiet time, spend my time reading the Bible, meditating and journaling. And then I would go to the office, And then I would, I would just do the same thing that I did yesterday. Hmm. I wouldn't do anything different.
0: A lot of times people's what they're doing now is a goal to do something different in five years. Right? So even my own Mm. business, what I'm doing today is not what I want to be doing in five years, but it's building to something. Right. Um, but you are where exactly you want to be. So if you wouldn't Mm -hmm. do anything different, um, you know then then you know what you want to be doing, and that is hitting these base hits and doing it for twelve years yeah. and building wealth slowly but surely yeah. and loving loving your lifestyle yeah, at the same great. time. Well, that's all I got, man. thanks for your time. I appreciate it
1: you're very welcome. I enjoyed it very much yeah. hopefully it was helpful to your to your listenership and um, no, if you guys ever want to hit me up yeah, my you can go to my website it's just it's just com.
0: At the end of each interview, our guest is asked to go back in time to mentor their 20-year-old self. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? So you have the opportunity to give 20-year-old Craig Couch a book you'll need, your best piece of real estate advice, and a warning to keep yourself from making a dumb mistake.
1: So in lieu of a book, um i mean i'm an avid reader i mean i read at least two books a month and i've been doing that for a decade so i mean like the books are awesome they all say the same thing a different way um and i love that because it reminds me right so i get reminded in different ways so uh from a book standpoint i just say just make sure that you're reading and if you don't like to read and you're dyslexic freaking listen to it i mean audible you have no excuse um and and so i just think just inputting information constantly is a good idea. I think if I was going to give advice is is that I would would say to spend time with somebody that has what you want um, and then figure out a way to clear the path for that person. So what I mean by that is that you get to know that person so well that you know and you can anticipate a way to really add value and make their lives better. Um, and, and what I mean by live, I'm saying their business life better um, because then they're just super eager to help you grow and teach you everything that they know. Because most entrepreneurs, real good entrepreneurs, they don't hide anything. The, the, the people that hide things are people that are insecure. The people that share everything are people that are very secure. And want to to help you. So, um, and then you said something else. So there was a third thing, and I forgot what it was.
0: The opportunity to tell your twenty year old self to give him a warning mm. about the dumb mistake that's coming. What are you gonna tell them?
1: You have no idea what you don't know. You're not near as smart as you think you are, and there is um there are a million things that you don't know. Um, and so, I think the awareness of your ignorance. Um, And the awareness of your blind spots is paramount to true growth. Mm -hmm. And to know for sure that you can't do it on your own. You can't do it by yourself. You have to do it through relationship and through mentorship and through friends.
0: So we hope you gained something from today's guest. Now feel free and talk about what you learned from the conversation on the comments section of this podcast on the real estate time machine website. So I asked today's guests to share more about their personal philosophy, the big idea that drives their life and work. We'll post those deep thoughts at the end of the week on Philosophy Friday, only on the Real Estate Time Machine.